Live inside Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. Prescott in the gun, looking right, pumps, throws it down, caught by Wilson at the five, speed move, free, strolling in, walking the ball, opening the gate, painting the fence, touchdown, Cedric Wilson. Debo going to take a throw out left. Debo gets a block from Muhammad Sanu. Debo Samuel, touchdown 49ers. Broncos rush four. Jackson with time. Going deep. He's looking at Hollywood Brown at the five. He reaches up and he makes a diving catch. Hollywood Brown. Welcome back to the end zone for a touchdown. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Five o'clock hour on the road. Twin Peaks on Eastern. 84 TVs to check out Monday Night Football. It's the Raiders and the Chargers going at it. 22-ounce beers under 4 bucks. Appetizers, 2 4 and $6. You still got some tables left on the patio. And probably about 90% Raider fans in here right now. Again, Monday Night Football, great place to hang out with the ladies at Twin Peaks on Eastern. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Football, 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 football. All right, two minutes on baseball because the season is over. Wow, we got a good setup the next couple of days. <laughs> so based on what happens the next couple of days, you could have the Dodgers, second best team in baseball record-wise. Dodgers, Yankees, Red Sox, only one may actually make the actual playoff field but you know we got wild card games coming up dodgers have to play and get in and then uh red sox yankees one's going to be gone by wednesday you got the we're checking arg- by thursday arguably the greatest rivalry in baseball where boston dominated at the beginning of the season with this series where they win the first seven eight meetings um and the yankees after that trade after the trade deadline, right? I think it was from July 30th on. They went on like a ter- just an unbelievable 30 and six run. I think it was. Um, and then the Dodgers have to face the hottest team in baseball that closed the season with the Cardinals. So yeah, um, when it's all said and done, Cardinals win. That means only one of three historic teams make the uh, the divisional series. Interesting. How much do you think what happened down the stretch helps baseball? I think it's phenomenal because of how the NFL season has kicked off. And I think that it's it really injected, you know, some life into the season. And it, and it, and it helped because, you know, it's already – the NFL already steals the headlines and steals the attention and steals So let, let, me, let, me, let me jump in. Yeah. Rob Manfred does all this stupid stuff. He thinks is revolutionary, right? Let's put a guy on second base. Let's play doubleheaders for seven innings. Yeah. How about let's just cut to the chase. You can't beat the NFL. Right. Okay? You can't. So if you want to condense the season, start it a little earlier and condense it and have the World Series done by the second week of September. It's going to require a lot of doubleheaders, and you probably got to start earlier, but the baseball's got to get the hell out of the way. By this time, I think. I don't think you need to have the World Series done by the second week of September. What I think you need is the playoffs to start when the NFL starts so there's intrigue and interest to carry you through the first four weeks of the NFL. So maybe you have the World Series done like now, right? The first week of October, first weekend of October. That way at least you're in the playoffs when the NFL starts. 
number four. Amazing college football weekend, but for some reason people came out of it all mad because Georgia and Alabama are good. I don't get it. We'll get to the balance in a second. Yeah. Ole Miss did not compete with Alabama. Uh, Lane Kiffin's approach to the game was pretty interesting. One, there's still a big gap between teams like Ole Miss and Alabama. Uh, Two, I think Kiffin being such a smart ass gives Saban max motivation. Like, you talk that much before a game, he's going to smack you around. Um, Now, his approach was interesting because he coached the game like there is a gap, Willie, and we, Ole Miss, have to do everything we can in terms of rolling the dice to beat these guys. So he went for it on four, I think it was his first four, fourth downs. Are you cool with that? Because he, he, he likened it to being at the blackjack table. He said, you know, at a blackjack table, you got, you know, $5. Uh, that's where it's easy. You put a couple of thousand out there, and now you get scared. He's like, we were not going to manage the game as if we were scared. Then, you know what? Instead of showing your hand, why not throw the punt unit out there and do a fake? You know, if you're going to go for it from there, at least show some trickery because that defense is going to be ready and you're going to get out coached, which he did. Um, I, that's the bottom line. I mean, Kiffin just – he basically got out coached. Did you see what he did before the game? The the, 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 the interview? Yeah, he does the interview. Yeah. And he's like, get your popcorn ready, and takes the headphones. He takes the headphones and, like, whips them in the air. Bro, what are you doing? Willie, do you know what do you know what Angel would do? If you took our headphones, station property, I've seen Angel in action. He had to save Adam Hill's life about six weeks ago. Big Adam couldn't protect himself. No, Angel, Angel. I, I just I one of these times when a coach does that, right? Take he took the head these are like thousand dollar headphones, right? He takes it and throws it in the air. Would have been great if a production assistant just friggin' speared Kiffin up the sideline, like, get back there and pick up the headphones. Angel does and not. And it better work or you're paying for way. it. Yo, he, I, I want I mean the, the guy here's the thing. What was it that he said in the interview? And he said, you know, I can't, I can't even think now. I'm at a loss for words. But he said something, oh, little old us or something like that. And, and they, she said, little old, did you just say little old, little old Mississippi? And he was like, well, it worked for, for, for Clemson. There, I can't, I can't even think of the, 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 the verbiage that he used. But he, it was almost as if he was clowning the entire week leading up to it instead of just being serious straightforward and focusing yeah. he was mock it was it was like a mocking ahead of time so he could sort of maybe come back and say oh well i mean i i think he's funny and i like playing the the woe is us card I, you know it's interesting when guys do that but you do realize there there can be repercussions if you get a focus nick saban and i i think nick saban's focus 99.9% of the time you give him a little extra fire he's going to whip your ass yes. and, and and they did it cuz they freaking uh, they actually went a little old school, and they were like, uh, we are going to pound it down your throats, and your Heisman candidate ain't getting the ball, is not going to explode all over us. I think in the end, uh, Matt Corral finished with 203 yards in the air. Number three. Uh, how about Vic Fangio? Denver Broncos coach, all mad at the end of the game. Did, he, you- did he have a right to be angry? Ravens on the final play of the game, instead of taking a knee, mm. Ravens are going for 100 yards rushing yep. for the 43rd straight game. Yes. Again, instead of taking a knee, they ran Lamar Jackson. I think it was left, and That's they got right. 102. And you see video of Fangio's like, F this, F that. And, and he takes 
He takes his, head, his own headphones. You want to smash your own headphones? The Broncos headphones, you do it. But he takes his own headphones, smashes them on the ground, and then had more to say about the Ravens after the game. Was that a big deal? Is that a, no. is that a dirtbag move I, by I, Harbaugh? I watched it live because it, it, uh, Red Zone went right to it. He said, oh, wait, they're, they're going for the record. He must. He's aware of it. Harbaugh's aware of it. Here's the thing. You're, they weren't rubbing in anybody's faces. They weren't rubbing defeat in anyone's faces. That would be like if, 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 and he slid. When he got the record, he slid. When Lamar ran left, he slid at the end of the game. He didn't just, he could have very easily just made it a play and, and found a gap or take. He didn't, they weren't trying to rub it in. They're trying to get the record. I, I don't think. But Willie, now these guys get about that yeah, victory well. formation and show some class at the end of the Fangio then said. But they didn't uh, get a victory formation. That was the whole no. thing. That's why Rezo went to it. You know, they only go to the scoring things and yeah. they said, we got to go back because he's, they're not in victory formation. So they're going for the record. So, I mean, come on now. I mean, you lost the game. They were going for the record. Try to stop them. Try to hold it so you could be the team that stopped them from doing it. But That's instead, it. you yeah. throw your arms up. And no, I don't think that I didn't have a problem with it because they did it somewhat, I mean, quote unquote, classy. He went, he, he rolled left. He slid when they got the record. He didn't try to rub it in the face, go further. I had no problem with that whatsoever, considering what we're talking about. Fangio said that he expected the Ravens to use the final play to get the rushing record. It ties the Steelers from like 74 to 77. 43 games in a row with uh, over 100 yards rushing. He said, why? Quote, that's just their mode of operation there. Player safety is secondary. So then Harbaugh said, oh, it was 100% my call. He also said, it's one of those things that's meaningful. It's a very, very tough record to accomplish. It's a long-term record. So I'm not going to say that it's more important than winning a game for sure. It's certainly not. But as a head coach... I think you do that for your players and you do that for your coaches, and that's something they'll have for the rest of their lives. I actually, now, again, if I were a scumbag, I would have also said, hey, Vic, worry about your own player safety. How's your quarterback doing after our defense got him? Games. Now, I, don't, I wouldn't do that because that's a serious deal with concussions, but I do like that Harbaugh's like, all right, let's go, Vic. Come on. You want, you want to talk? Let's talk. I spit. Sorry. <laughs> Hey, listen. God, I would love you, to be an NFL head you coach. You teach your players to play to the end. You teach your players to play through the last. And if they lined up to move the ball, then they lined up to move the ball. And the fact of the matter is, it's pure gamesmanship, like you said. And they had a chance to set that record. They didn't do anything that, you know, I don't know. Nobody was really I, – I can't imagine. I mean, you, you watch the play – there's no, I mean, that's the the uh, quote unquote. The, it, it was the last play. There's there's se there's seconds on the clock. What he didn't do was try to score and rub it in their face. They tried to gain some yards. Stop them if you don't like it. Number two. All right, who's gonna have better numbers tonight? Derek Carr, Justin Herbert. I'm gonna go with Derek Carr. And the reason, well, what, by the way, what are better numbers? Well, I think better numbers, and and it depends because the link that I sent when I asked this question was fantasy. So I'm not talking fantasy number; I'm talking stats. And the reason I think that Derek Carr is going to have the better numbers is because I think that the Chargers have the better rushing game. Even though Josh Jacobs is back, we don't know. Okay, um, he was also back when he played earlier this season and then went out. So 
I think that they have a better – I think that the Chargers probably have the balanced offense, which will take away from Herbert's passing game. And Carr has more weapons. Ingold is, is active. He was out there warming up. Kenyon Drake, just because Jacobs is active doesn't mean he's going to get as many reps as he might get later on next week, you know, a couple weeks from now. Kenyon Drake coming out of the backfield to catch balls. Uh, Waller, Edwards, Ruggs. The weaponry that this dude has is far beyond the Chargers. The Chargers have the rushing game to balance things out. So uh, I think Carr ends up with the better passing numbers. We got an update. There actually is a weather delay. Uh-oh, lightning? Yeah. Wow. With a stadium with a roof on it, mostly, kind of. Interesting. And, by the way, when are, when are there ever weather delays in L.A.? So I guess the Raiders came on the field and they were told, hey, you know what, chill. We got a weather delay. So the Raiders, that means the Raiders will get two huge ovations. Yes. Oh, there you go. So that's the latest on that. Uh, on the passing number thing. Do you find it ironic that there's lightning in the bolts in Oh, nice. I didn't pick up on that. Um, Numbers-wise, I could see Derek Carr throwing for more yards. I could see Justin Herbert being more efficient. Get what I'm saying? Yes. I could. Because, again, he's not going to have as many passes. He's going to, you know, his passes are going to be limited, um, where Carr is probably going to have more attempts. Kevin Bollinger, by the way, local – from Fox 5, he said, yes, the stadium is covered, but the ends are open air, so he is guessing that is the reason they are delaying. <laughs> they've been giving they've been Sorry, given uh, zero information in the press box. I just I looked up and you could just see Gruden he like he looks up, he's like basically like there's a roof. <laughs> yes. But I get but I get that point. And Gilbert Manzano, our boy, he said the same thing. There's a roof with some open air on the sides. Number one. Willie, Willie, Willie. Yeah. Jumping ahead here. Ready for this one? If the Raiders win, are we preparing for a Las Vegas, Arizona Super Bowl in L.A.? Are we? Why not? They're the only undefeated teams. Arizona, people are now saying that Kyler Murray, all of a sudden, he's he's jumped into the MVP conversation and is the best quarterback in football. That's what I'm hearing. That's what I've heard since last night and all day today on every – freaking show that I've listened to. And we've heard Derek Carr's name throwing an MVP. We've seen Pro Football Focus throwing his name. I mean, this is all we're hearing. Right? Leading up to the regular season, Keyshawn Johnson, the elite quarterback. Now Kyler Murray, Arizona. Arizona just smacked the Rams. So, if they're the only two undefeated teams after what would normally be the quarter point, but there's 17 game decisions, so we're not at the quarter pole just yet considering there's 17 games, but at the quarter pole, if the Raiders win, the two undefeated teams are the Raiders and the Cardinals. You got to discuss a Raiders Cardinal Super Bowl. If you had a bet, I don't know, five hundred, a thousand bucks on one Super Bowl winner future. You ready? Current odds going into the game tonight. I'm looking at them. Bucks are plus five fifty. This is for the audience. Okay. Chiefs plus six fifty. Packers, Browns, Bills eight to one. Ravens twelve to one. So are the Rams and Cowboys. Cardinals fourteen to one. Raiders fifteen to one. Seahawks Niners twenty to one. Where would you put your money? 
taking my heart out of it because my heart's in this list. And be careful which team you pick on this show because someone might get very mad. Am I taking my heart out of it and I'm putting my sharp mind into it? Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm going to throw it on the Chiefs. Okay. All right. I'm going to put it on the Chiefs. But if my heart's into it, I'm taking that 12-1 to 1 with my pokes, the Cowboys, All because right. they haven't looked too shabby. I'm going to go Bills 8-1. to 1. Okay. I think this is real. Be careful because you may <laughs> piss off somebody who's in SoFi. I'm not going to mention it on any other show this week if uh, that unnamed <laughs> person is on, the Josh Allen hater. But you get our point. Our audience has been uh, drilled to know that talking Bills on the show uh, outside of a few days here and there is very, very dangerous. On the way back, again, if you're looking for the Raiders, you're looking for Raiders pregame, you're looking for all the coverage of Monday Night Football, uh, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, our sister station, another one of our stations, Comp 92.3, is where you want to go. Flip it over there. we got to come back with some hockey and find out what went on this weekend with Robin Leonard and social media. Um, before we do that, yeah, we got time. we got time. Okay. On the way back, I'm going to also find out, yeah. now that we got a delay, yeah. how Willie would actually bet this game yeah. very creatively. Absolutely. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Kick is airborne to the uplights. A line drive kick, fighting off the goal post and hit the left upright. Tampa Bay still leads by two. He had the length, man. He had, I'm like, there's no way he's hitting a 55-yard with these conditions. He had the length. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, now we see if the ESPN broadcast team collectively can kill about 40 minutes' time here because we got a weather delay for the Raiders and the Chargers at SoFi. Yes, our openings in the stadium, so there's a it's apparently it's a lightning delay. Looks like the rescheduled kickoff, if the weather cooperates, is 5.55. So we'll see how it goes. I think that that's a, that's a common time frame when they, when they do delays, um, you know, as far as how far out you have. I remember covering high school ball here that let's say you saw lightning. They clear the field. The, the, the fans had to leave the, st- the stands, obviously, because there's metal seats in high schools. But there's a specific time when they do that. I don't know how it works with the NFL, but you, it, it, let's say you see a lightning. Game's supposed to start at 7 p.m., a high school game. See the lightning. And then 7.05, it clears up. No rain and lightning. That doesn't matter. You have to, they have to remain in delay for X amount of time. So when they come up with that, that time, but you know what you do have time is to still get more action on the game. And you know so what how, I would do? How, how would you bet the game creatively? Here's how I would get creative with this game. Have you ever teased both sides of a game? No, but I've been hearing about this more and more. So in this situation, you have minus three, right? You got a minus three, San, San, uh, San Diego, Los Angeles. If you tease both sides of the game, you end up with the Chargers plus four and the Raiders plus ten. This game lands on a field goal. Guess what? Or Chargers win by a touchdown. You got both sides. You you, you hit both sides of your teaser. A lot of people don't know that you can tease you can, both yeah. sides of a game. Yep. I think John Murray mentioned that last week, and I saw some other gamblers in the area saying they wanted to do that on a game, and they didn't do it, so... 
Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, this part of the show is brought to you by our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. You may not need an attorney today or even tomorrow, but could happen. When the situation arises, that's the time you're going to need someone you can trust, and we trust Justin Watkins, Matt Hoffman at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Justin and Matt have been part of the uh, Cofield & Company crew for over nine years, and you think we let some jabroni on with us? No, of course not. We trust these guys with all of our important legal issues. 5709000 is the number. Battleborn Injury Lawyers is all about getting you the best compensation for your injuries. Give them a call, 5709000. We will get to the Robin Leonard social media stuff. We'll turn the page and go in a different direction. I want to talk a little playoff baseball, the heartbreak of not making the playoffs, and kind of the feelings right now in, of all places, Seattle, where the Mariners fell just short. But the Seahawks, that was a massive game yesterday against the Niners. We'll check in with one of the dudes who does Sports Talk Radio up in Seattle. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. C-Shack, the pitch. Base hit Peaks for Monday Night Football. It's Cofield and Company. That was Dave Sims on the Mariners call. You know, if you had told me like six, eight weeks into this baseball season that the Mariners would go to the very last day of the season and have a shot to make the playoffs and that the stadium would sound like that, I would have laughed at you and then maybe even beat you up a little bit. And I can't beat up anybody, but you would have deserved it. Come on now. Come on now. Willie's here. It's Cofield. We got a weather delay with the Raiders game in L.A., nasty skies outside, lightning delay. Chuck Powell does radio in Seattle. I want to talk about the Seahawks, obviously, with their big win yesterday. But Chuck just went on a really interesting ride as a media guy with a team, Chuck. Like I said, Chuck, I would have beat you up. I would have beat you up if you told me when they were in 199 that they were going to make a run (laughs) of the playoffs. And I know I can't beat you up, but I would have tried. (laughs) We would have thrown down over the Mendoza line. (laughs) Oh, well, you know, I was going to say, you and I have never fought, but uh, I fought with other people in our group over smaller things. So, <laughs> uh, uh, it, It's been a crazy ride. I mean, I can't say that I predicted it. I will say that I have been highly enthusiastic, probably more so than anybody, uh, here in this market about the direction this organization is heading in. Um, I gave them about 80 wins at the beginning of the year. I thought that they could have a, a season because they did so little in the off season to add to the team. Um, I thought they were still going to be a year behind getting to the point where they would compete for a playoff spot. So they're a year ahead of pace. I mean, they're on a rebuild plan. They missed an entire year of development because of uh, COVID or damn near an entire year. And so for them to kind of move the goalposts up a little bit where you know, really by the second season, they're already competing for a playoff spot. It really speaks well uh, for the future. But, yeah, this ride was magical. It didn't make sense mathematically. Um, it wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, you can't put a number on team chemistry. You really can't in sports. And analytics people, it drives them crazy when people try to give it too much credit. And I try not to give it too much credit. But, boy, when you got it going – uh, it's valuable, and you try not to bring any harm to that chemistry, and that's the kind of season it was. So they took it all the way to the end, 162 games, and they were in it. 
they weren't out of it until the eighth inning uh, Sunday of the 162nd game of the year. So it was really a, a fun ride to go on, and I can't wait to see what this team does next year. You know, you got a glimpse of what this team could possibly do, and I don't think that anybody really bought into it, but this is a team that started the season winning 11 of its first 17, and that included winning its first series with Houston. It won two of the first, it won two of three in that first series in Seattle, the first game by walk-off fashion, when it, it lost the next night in a tough one, one nothing, and then beat them up in the Sunday game 7-2, then followed it with a win over the Dodgers, that was when a little bit of the scuttlebutt was, wait a minute, is Seattle, you know, what's going to happen? And then that's when the naysayers came in, and they sort of fell off. They went a little bit below 500. They battled back, and they go on these streaks. You know, in June, they went on like a, I think a five and era, excuse me, an eight and one run, um, including a sweep of the Tampa Bay Rays, winning three of those four by walk-off fashion. They closed the season winning 11 of 14. The roller coaster ride of this team, for those that believed, what was it that you saw throughout the season that sort of kept the optimism going? And for you, in calling the games and keeping your listeners believing in what this team was capable of doing, because it wasn't a, a, a dominant offense, it wasn't a dominant pitching game, it was more timely hitting, timely pitching, and a little bit of consistency mixed in. Well, I'll tell you, it was a battle all year long to convince this fan base, this beleaguered fan base that hasn't gone to the playoffs in 20 years and has never made it to the World Series, uh, it was trying to convince them that this is a different kind of rebuild and that the success that this rebuild is having, I give it an A+. plus. I mean, what Jerry DePoto has done three years in rebuilding the farm system, I believe, is just absolutely A-plus material. Uh, and to clear all the dead money away from this team for the future so they can be aggressive this off season, so it was a battle just convincing the fan base that you know give this team a chance that they they might be able to do something here uh, earlier than you realize. And believe me, the future is very bright. But why were they successful? I, I mean, I think it's I mean they their bullpen, even if it was with smoke and mirrors, they found guys that worked and were effective. They had a very good bullpen in the second half of the season. I mean, you say Kikuchi was our only starting, uh, our only player to make the all-star roster, and he was our worst starter in the second half of the season. He had to be taken out of the rotation the last week of the year because of ineffectiveness. But Chris Flexen was good all season long. Marco Gonzalez was great in the second half. Um, we, Tyler Anderson was a nice, solid little pickup at the trading deadline. So there were some things. that We played terrific defense here in Seattle. J.P. Crawford might be the best shortstop. Uh, in the world right now defensively. Um, but you start thinking about where it could have actually gone further. I mean, you fall two games short, right? You did very little at the trading deadline. You did next to nothing in the offseason, the past offseason, to improve the team. And that chemistry that I talked about in my first answer was disrupted at the de- trading deadline because of a very controversial trade of a popular member of the clubhouse. And this team went 4-9. and nine over its next 13 games after that trade, and it took Scott Service to kind of piece everything back together to get them back on the right track. And they eventually did, and they put the Kendall Graveman deal behind them, but it definitely disrupted things. If you, if you are a little more aggressive toward improving this year's club in any of those three phases, 
we're probably talking about a playoff team this year. Talking a little baseball with Chuck Powell, KJR in Seattle. Chuck, who's going to win the American League? Uh, American League. Uh, uh, well, man, uh, Tampa's kind of hard to bet against because uh, they did it a, a year ago. Um, I think Chicago's got a great bullpen, um, and so that could come into play. I just don't want Houston to do it, so maybe that's <laughs> making me a little biased toward not picking them. But I'd say uh, I'd say it's going to be because the White Sox starters are beat up right now. I'll go with Tampa, but I think the White Sox make it really interesting. On the Seahawks game yesterday, what was the most impressive thing for you on the Seattle side? Uh, pulling out a win in a game where you had negative eight yards uh, with four minutes to go in the first half. You know, I mean, this team was down uh, 200 yards in total offense before they had their first first down yesterday. <laughs> and yet somehow not only came back to win the game, but came back to win it with cushion, like with some comfort, uh, and, and, and take a game that probably you shouldn't have won and Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson have pulled out games like this almost magically uh, before, and they did it again uh, yesterday. And, you know, the team's just not playing well. The last three games, they have not played good football. But you pull out a victory like this against the division opponent and then you get ready for the Rams on Thursday, it might have been sort of a game-saving type of – or season-saving type of game for them. Uh, yesterday against the 49ers because the way they started it, they had no business winning that football game. Chuck Powell, KJR, covers the Seattle scene, so Seahawks get a win yesterday against the Niners, and like Chuck mentioned, they got the quick turnaround now against the Rams. Um, I don't care about records as part of the season. Like I mentioned it last week, uh, you know, the Chiefs were off to a slow start. They were still the favorites in the AFC West. I could get them at even money. I was like, yeah, I'm taking the Chiefs at even money. Of course I am. Who is the best team in the AFC West? Who's the team to beat? Is it really the Cardinals? In the NFC West, uh, I'd, I'd probably say it's the Rams, but I think the division is really loaded. Um, and and I'm, not, you know, I'm not breaking new ground with that statement, uh, but uh, the hype that the NFC West has been, been given this year, uh, I, I, if anything, it might be underestimated because I do think the Cardinals are going to take a step forward. I think the Rams are better. The Niners are going to be entirely better than they were a year ago. And then the Seahawks are just that never-say-die uh, kind of uh, you know, organization that they have right now. Uh, I had them pegged at the beginning of the year for 10 wins as well. So I, I was predicting four double-digit win teams in this division. I'm not sure that's ever been done before. But if I were to pick a favorite right now, I think Matthew Stafford has given the Rams uh, something that they haven't had the past few years, and so I'd give them the slight edge over everybody else. Well, you're about to face that team, Chuck, and, I mean, you said this team hasn't been at its best the last three games. This is a team that's only had one home game, and it lost to a team that lost to the Jets yesterday in overtime. <laughs> Tennessee comes in and wins 33-30. Yeah. to 30. Jets. The two wins at the Colts and then at the 49ers. Now you get this home game. Then you got a rough one going to Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh hasn't proved to, to do much, um, you know, just yet. And then two home games. Which, I mean, what, what's the real, will the real Seattle Seahawks stand up? Because you, you, you've had a couple of defensive clunkers against the Titans and the Vikings. Um, the offense, three games, 28 games or high or more. Um, Russell Wilson is going to do what he does, but what is the identity of this team at this point? 
I, I think we're still trying to work that out. Um, I mean, we made Kirk Cousins, you know, look like Patrick Mahomes last week, and the Seahawks made uh, Jimmy Garoppolo look that good, with the exception that he didn't finish drives uh, on Sunday. He was picking them apart, and they got a break when Garoppolo left at halftime, and Trey Lance came in, and that is a project. Gentlemen, if you haven't seen him play, he has a lot of work to do uh, to live up to that um, high draft pick that they uh, they <laughs> used on him. But he's got time. Uh, but yeah, the, the defense right now is trying to figure out how to stop anyone. They gave up 435 yards yesterday, and half of that game was played by a quarterback that wasn't ready for the National Football League. Uh, so this, they're, they're not. They're last in yardage allowed in the NFL at this point, and defense is supposed to be the hallmark of this organization. So then on offense, brand-new offensive coordinator, brand-new scheme, brand-new identity, uh, and yet they haven't put together a good four quarters yet. As a matter of fact, they've looked a little bit worse every week under Shane Waldron, and you never want to trend that way when you have a brand-new offense. So. To be at two and two, I think they'd take that the way they've played so far this season. Um, and, you know, they kind of turned their season around last year on a dime. They were atrocious defensively for the first eight games. Uh, Buffalo embarrassed them. And after that, Pete Carroll, Ken Norton Jr., the defensive coordinator, got together and kind of reversed the team's fortunes uh, defensively and then lost its offensive identity. So, there's still a work in progress taking place. I can't tell you exactly what the projection is going to be at this point, uh, but I have seen this organization pull things out of the fire in the past. They know how to win, and so I wouldn't underestimate what they could do the rest of the way. Who's going to win the game tonight, Raiders and the Chargers? I'm Raiders. Let's go Raiders. 4-0, why not? <laughs> Raiders and Cardinals, the only two undefeated teams left in the National Football League after tonight. What do you say? Right. We will see. I'm on the opposite side. I'm picking the Chargers. But I do think the Raiders are much yeah. improved, and I did pick the Raiders to go 10-7 and when the schedule came out. So that'll be uh, an I told you so at the end of the year, or I'll be uh, crying in my beer on that one. Chuck, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, man. All right, we come back. We do want to get to what happened uh, with Robin Leonard over the weekend. Nothing horrific, but he just went off on social media, and now the NHL absolutely has to pay attention. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents... Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Put your hand in there, dude. All right, well, normally we'd be updating you on uh, what's going on Monday Night Football with the Raiders. But they are in a weather delay right now. And uh, according to all of our colleagues down there, the um, national anthem is scheduled to be at 5.50. And the kickoff, well, we're looking at the big screens. The kickoff is coming, so... We would probably be midway through the first quarter, if not toward the end of it. But right now we are getting ready for kickoff. And they came back out on the field, John Gruden pumping up the crowd. And it was a, definitely a home crowd. While we were talking to Chuck, you could hear the crowd in the background, the, uh, the uh, quote-unquote home crowd. I kind of got a kick when they showed that lightning strike, Steve. Is They panned into the stadium, and, uh, and, uh, and you saw on the, the, the light board bolt up. 
<laughs> Perfect. Perfect. All right, so what happened this weekend with uh, Vegas Golden Knights goalie Robin Leonard? Uh, he had at least half a day of tweeting about the NHL and certain teams prescribing drugs that he doesn't agree with, and, and I thought insinuated that uh, the Flyers coach was kind of a dirtbag wrapped up in this stuff. I think indirectly he went after maybe the Sabres. Maybe that's where it'll start with the Eichel stuff. Yeah. What 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 was what was Leonard doing this time on social media? I think he you know, he's very disturbed by how the Sabres were treating center Jack Eichel. It was his teammate, of course, with the Sabres from fifteen to eighteen. Um, Eichel is in a dispute with the team over what type of surgery he should undergo for a herniated disc in his neck. So he's requested a trade. Leonard wasn't happy about it. Um, you know, for those unaware, the, Sa- the Sabres are preferring one procedure. Eichel wants to have an artificial disc replacement surgery. It's never been performed on an NHL player, but Leonard's of the belief that Eichel should have the right to choose. Uh, you know, and, and when you're talking about that, you know, this is not baseball where it's Tommy John. This is not ACL. This is this is a little more, I think, intricate where the player should have some say-so. So anyway... Leonard went off, and he, he said in, the, in a tweet, they screwed my ankle big time, then surgery, and then pills, no care, almost died. But, eh, after forcing leg press after a few weeks after bad high ankle sprain first game, that is foot for treat after treatment, and then he tweeted a picture of it. So he goes on to talk about what teams and that he has knowledge um, – in terms of what they prescribe or what what are given out. Um, And that included, you know, some pretty heavy, quote-unquote, drugs to employees when they travel, people that have problems traveling. So he's backtracked a little bit about the Flyers coach because he referred to Flyers coach Alan Vigneault as a dinosaur who treated people like robots, not human, claimed he had proof that Vigneault should be fired, um, then he backtracked and, and basically was saying that, well, he didn't mean it in the way that it came across. Um, he was never accusing him of distributing pills to players. His claim was about the way that he treats players, which if you read, he sort of did. But when you combine them all in a thread, you're somewhat insinuating and it can be misconstrued. Um, Leonard had a good call with the NHLPA. He was back in on the ice today, scheduled to speak with the NHL. The league wants to file an investigation after speaking to – well, they want to speak to Leonard first. They're, they're, they're clear on that. And then decide if they want to open an investigation. Um, that call, according to a source I have, was supposed to take place today, maybe tomorrow. They're unclear when the NHL and Leonard will speak but it is supposed to be coming up in the next 48 hours. I know that a lot of people involved want to get this done before the season opens. Done. Well, okay. the Leonard part with the all right the conversation. You do you do realize the NHL has a big problem on their hands. This is so not the NHL. Players speaking up like this, and he, he was he he, he ain't going to stop. He was clear that in his time in Vegas, he's never experienced right. any sort of thing like this. But you got what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. This social media stuff is not going to stop. No. And, Steve, is this a can of worms for pro sports? Are we going to hear somebody at some point? Baseball's ending. Are we going to hear someone in baseball clam, uh, you know, start saying something? Um, yeah, I mean, it could happen anywhere. It's just that Robin Leonard's a really unique character. He 
he really uses social media as his uh, one of his main outlets yeah. to vent. Sure. And this season, I think, is going to be a roller coaster ride. We've all gone back and forth on the show. If this is cathartic and it's good for him, I don't know, man. It's a lot. It's a lot for a team to handle. It's a lot for a league to handle. It's a lot for a player to handle. It's a lot for teammates to handle. So we'll see how it plays out. You're dealing with somebody who, ha- who, who has admittedly had mental health issues. And just remember that when you feel as if you have found an outlet for your mental health issues, one of those ways is to be very vocal about it and to talk about your feelings, your thoughts. So his, his way of doing so is on social media. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So UNLV drops to 0-5. Yeah. And it was a bit of a mixed bag on Saturday. Mm. They they went down to San Antonio. They played a pretty solid UTSA team that is unbeaten. That was a 21-point favorite. That line was clearly ridiculous. Um, I'll say it, and this is not a dig on UTSA. By the way, Austin Eckler is running all over the Raiders early. Um, this is not a dig on UTSA. It's just, well, I'm not going to say fact because it's my opinion. That was the worst team that UNLV has faced this year. They're not, they're not as good as Eastern Washington. Now, Eastern Washington is, like, top three now at uh, FCS. They just beat Bobby Howe's Montana team. Um, but that's not to say UTSA, could they – is that a middle-of-the-road team in the Mountain West Conference? Probably. Um, their quarterback was – I'll use words like savvy, heady, um, tough guy. But some of the passes he threw, Willie, were ridiculous. And the Rebels, unfortunately, they made too many mistakes, and they should be ba- past the point – where that stuff's acceptable because they really haven't they haven't been horrible with you know brain farts in the first four games they've had some bad games but some of the coverage on this kid frank harris just throwing the ball like unbelievably high in the air uh and cornerbacks for the rebels just kind of losing where they were there were two big passes like that um and i i know the kid knows it but julio garcia local their left guard, he gets tossed from the game in the fourth quarter. Like, they needed him in the game. He got a second personal foul. He had a key play down the stretch where Kolo Yusike jumped offsides, tapping the helmet of the center. There were just little moments of, of uh, lack of discipline. And then also Cameron Friel showed immense progress. Yeah. But still, you know, a couple moments, like, on on third downs, like, kiddo, you don't, don't try to save the world on a play. And he threw two interceptions. He did, and you know, and and it becomes where what happens is is the undisciplined nature becomes contagious, and it and, and it sort of just feeds off one another. So when you have situations in which you know one guy's doing one thing and, and has a mental breakdown on the field, in, in terms of when I say mental breakdown, they have a, a, a lapse, a brain fart, like you called it. Um, you know, then your your leader on the field, the quarterbacks. Maybe he was going to have a bad decision to make because he feels he's got to make yeah. up. And now all of a sudden he's shouldering the burden. The other, the other story of the game, and this is why the bye week is so important, I still think they're going to win games. they got seven left. I don't think anyone else on the schedule. Reno's very good, right? But I don't think anyone else on the schedule is unbeatable, all right? Because uh, every, every Mountain West Conference team has shown warts. And we saw Fresno rolling. They go to Hawaii, they get beat, right? Um, up next is Utah State two Saturdays from now. They need to win that game to kind of get things going. Yeah. But what they need most is to get healthy during this bye week time. That game on Saturday, they had no Doug Brumfield, no Tate Martell. That's your number one and three quarterback. They had no Tylee Collins. They had no Connor Murphy. 
Adam Plant was out in a walking boot. Uh, another running back, Javon Wilson, has been out a couple of weeks. I mean, the injuries and Kylan Wilborn got hurt in the game, and I haven't seen an update on Faolo, their starting tight end. He might have suffered some sort of leg or knee injury on Saturday. So it's like they came in walking wounded, and then they suffered a couple more injuries. And, by the way, Phillip Hill, who's arguably like their third or fourth best defensive player, he was also out on Saturday. So they got to get healthy to have a chance. Well, and that's that's the number one thing. But I think uh, Marcus needs to, you know, get with his team, get them, get them all on the same page and remind them about that discipline and remind them what they did in specific games, in, in halves of games against Eastern Washington, against Arizona State, you know, against Fresno State, against UTSA. Four of those five games, they were in it at some point, and a couple, they looked like they could have won it. So the, the belief is there, the confidence yeah. is there, and this is a team that's improving. I will say that. Boy, Derek Carr, with that mountain man look, he's not happy. Chargers have jumped out to a 7-0 lead. Donald Parham Jr., the big tight end, just scored. So Chargers, late start to the game. It's 7-0. Come on down. Watch the game here at Twin Peaks on Eastern. Thanks, Willie. Thanks, Ari. Thanks, Angel. We out.